It's the bonus pod, solo pod, 162, I believe, 162. Uh, welcome back. Currently, Wang, I would imagine, um, trapped in a sort of a scene from Fargo. Something, uh, something in a very large, flat, snowy area, I'm imagining. Steve Buscemi's there, of course. Um... As is uh, Billy Bob Thornton. All the character actors. All the character actors are there. Uh, being whimsical and interesting. So, uh, Holly. Oh. Oh, no, I've already read that. Sorry. Sorry, bit of a confusion there. Um, new stuff from Holly to get to, to get through to say. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. Still solo, still doing some correspondence for you guys um, and some solo chat. Uh, there'll be this week, we'll be like this, and then next week, and then we're back to normal in May, in the merry, merry month of May. Um, but thank you very much for being patrons and for your patience with this little um, spring break. It is a spring break, isn't it? I always. When you grow up outside of America and you watch all the films. The party times look great. They look excellent. I always remember thinking, God, I'd love to do a spring break. It always seemed to involve um, hot teens, groups of young men and women having a sexy time in sort of condos and people sort of throwing up and jumping in pools and Florida, question mark, spring break, and people shouting spring break on beaches. And girls going wild. Boys never go wild, do they? You'd have to find a very... It would have to be in a sort of gay club, I imagine, if there was a way that if you sort of flashed your dick and bollocks, you got a bead necklace <laughs> that you could wear around your uh, around your D's and B's. <laughs> Just flashing your dick and balls, going, woo! And everyone cheering. <laughs> It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work the same way. Anyway. Holly says, Hi, Phil and Pierre. I'm in the middle of listening to this week's episode, and I cannot believe Phil went to Mona, M-O-N-A, that is the Museum of... Nothing Australian. It's the it's the one that he went to in Australia. I don't remember. Mona, Museum of Natural Art? No. National Art? National Australia, and didn't mention, I can't believe Phil went to Mona and didn't mention the poo machine. Phil, if you're listening, you didn't mention that the museum had a poo machine. It's called Cloaca Professional by Wim, or Vim Delvoy. It is a machine that poos. It looks like a series of udders suspended by cords, the museum staff feed it twice a day. No. And it releases its hideous creations sometime in the afternoon. No. What do you feed a museum udder? I hear it smells revolting and occasionally becomes constipated, just like a real bum-bum. Surely this is the most bud-poddiest of all machines. Cheers, Holly. P.S. My daughter and I flew to Melbourne recently to see Phil's show. He was brilliant. Oh, great. 
highly dedicated, Holly. Thank you very much for that. Um, Mona Cloaca. A poo machine. Jesus Christ. Yes. Here it is. How Mona's poo machine became enlisted in the fight against bowel cancer. This is the news article I found. Oh, God, there's a picture of it, and it does look disgusting. There's udders hanging from a ceiling. It's it's a lot more sort of glass and steel than I was expecting. I thought they'd go more vivid than that. But there is a sort of dish of sandy-looking poo. It's quite grainy and sandy. Pathologists in Hobart have enlisted a, a notorious piece of artwork. I'd love to do notorious art. By Belgian concept artist Vim. Vim Delvoye. What a name. The man we need is Vim Delvoye. Tasmania's Museum of Old and New Art. Mona. Okay, that doesn't work. That should be Timona. Oh, Museum of Old and New Art. Yeah. Is home to Cloaca Professional, also known as the Poo Machine. The large assembly of hanging vessels connected by tubes is the work of Belgian concept artist Vim Delvoye, which was unveiled at Mona's Buddydale location in 2010. My God. Twelve years pooping. Twelve years before the mast. <laughs> Serving my time pooping in Australia. Deported to Australia for pooping too much. Specially commissioned by Mona's founder, David Walsh, Cloaca replicates the journey food takes, beginning at mastication, tee and ending several hours later in defecation, complete with authentic smell. Ugh. How? Visitors are invited to view the feeding twice a day. Oh, God. Where a staff member places small portions of food into a receptacle where it's ingested, slowly passing through, slowly passing through a range of processes, before it emerges at the other end of the machine as fecal matter, daily about 2 p.m. Oh. On Tuesday, Cloaca's afternoon effort was screened for bowel cancer to demonstrate the simplicity of the test, which most Australians over 50 have posted to them as part of the National Bowel Cancer Screening Program. The Aussies are sending you poo sticks in the post. No wonder Phil ended up starting this podcast's poo theme in that country. It's clearly a country on the very cutting edge of poo, or the very pooping edge of cuts. Um, The test involves analyzing a small sample for the presence of microscopic amounts of blood, not visible to the naked eye. Fair enough. Good lord. It's hideous, this machine. Well done, everyone, but also boo. (laughs) Notorious art. Are there any other notorious works of art? Or that facile shit by Damien Hirst, I suppose. Ooh, a skull made of platinum with diamonds and... Shut up, Damien. So, I I know that modern art is all, you know, whatever. I'm not a Philistine in that sense. It's not like, oh, I could have done that. I know. But it does annoy me that people like Hearst use big groups of like 20 or 30 graduate students to just do all his work for him. I get it, but also, you know... I'll just do one myself then, you know, you know what I mean? That is something I could do, if it, if a graduate student can do it, like those butterflies or whatever. It's, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I want to be a curmudgeon about it. Well, is any other notorious art? Piss Christ, that's quite notorious. I don't know if you guys know about Piss Christ. Very upset it made people. But then I imagine that 
crossed the mind of the artist when they were calling it Piss Christ, or indeed making it. Um, from what I can remember, it is just a, a crucifix Jesus in some piss. So very much Ron Seal does what it says on the tin art title. It would be very bold to display a Jesus on the cross crucifix suspended in piss in a jar and just call it Untitled 29. <laughs> or, you know, Good Morning America or something. <laughs> Actually, that's quite a funny title. People would ascribe all sorts of meanings to it and you could pretend to be clever. Um, thank you for that, Holly. And I'm sure Phil would thank you for flying to Melbourne to see him. Good for you. Hopefully from somewhere else in Australia. I mean, even more impressive if you flew there from the other side of the world, but I would almost feel bad. So. So. Would I... I I keep meaning to do more art. In the same way I keep meaning to, you know, learn languages or... How do we... How will we ever, how will we ever truly, um, truly achieve all these goals? Garrett Millerick, the comedian, has an amazing routine about how people fail to achieve their goals in lockdown. So if you are at the Edinburgh Fringe, go see Garrett Millerick. His show will be called, um, only, I'm only trying to help, I think, or I was only trying to help. I think that's what it's called. He's very funny. Excellent. Uh, routine. I will be at the Fringe, of course, I should say. Monkey Barrel, 610. Do poop along. Excuse me, I'm I'm yawning because um, I'm bad at sleeping. I'm bad at being unconscious, which is great during the day. But at night, oh, Aaron has massaged us. Um, quite recently, in fact, it's fresh. Aaron says, Hello, Phil Dark and Pierre Reard Drama. Very nice. Very nice. I'd love to star in a Pierre drama. I thought I would use my power for good as a new Patreon subscriber to speed run my poop question through the intestinal tract of your email inbox and plop it out prematurely yet fully formed. Yes, like um, one of those poos that's sort of yellow when you're ill. <laughs> as someone who has long suffered from irritable bowel syndrome as distinct from South African English, a.k.a. Irritable Vowel Syndrome. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. South African English. They are irritable vowels. Apparently that's why it's so hard to do. It's because the vowels are all flat except when they're not. It's very hard to discern the pattern because it's so inconsistent. Anyway. I'm disappointed I don't have any bud-clenching poop stories to share and leave listeners on the edge of their toilet seat. I have, however, collected a wealth of knowledge in my quest for the elusive perfect poop, of which I've heard centuries of myths and tales passed down by my wise old gastroenterologist, or as I like to call him, my pooologist. Legend holds it that the perfect poop requires no wiping. <gasps> a ghost. A ghost poo. I think that's what it was called at school by humorous little children. A ghost poo? A phantom. A spectre passing from this world to the next with nary a trace. Oh, 
Hamlet. <laughs> Legend holds that the perfect poop requires no wiping. Unfortunately, no amount of completing quests requiring collecting and consuming copious amounts of vegetables, grains, fiber supplements, mild laxatives, or even using a poop stool have exempted me from the need to wipe many times to achieve a clean, an anus clean enough to, as they say, eat off of. An anus clean enough of, of which to eat. How would you phrase that technically, grammatically, correctly? An anus off of which one could eat. It is so clean. No, ridiculous. Grammar is silly. This comes to my question. Is the perfect poop as elusive as it seems to me? A mere shitizen? Do your listeners, like me, easily go through rolls of toilet paper trying to wipe away the evidence? Or is it more common to commit the perfect crime and leave no trace behind? Brackets on the behind. I find it hard to imagine a poo that is like an Olympic swimmer. Smooth and completely. <laughs> I find it hard to imagine a poo that is like an Olympic swimmer, smooth and completely hairless, so as to be fast and aerodynamic. <laughs> uh, this leads me to a very insensitive question I heard someone once asking a blind person but which I find myself thinking about more often than not while having a good wipe. Finally, having found the appropriate medium for this sort of question, I will ask it once again respectfully. How does a sight-impaired person know when they've finished wiping? I'm not even going to begin to guess the ways in which this could be achieved, but in my brain I imagine smelling is involved, and hopefully neither tasting nor the help of a Labrador. <laughs> Yes, hopefully you don't get your seeing eye dog. Your cleaning bum dog. You have a seeing eye dog and a cleaning bum dog. Like a gun dog, a bum dog. He's a highly trained bum dog. Explosions don't frighten him. <laughs> God. No, I have heard the answer to this question, Aaron. Uh, you pinch the paper between your fingers. If it sticks, there's poop on there. If it doesn't stick, you're probably fine. You're probably fine if it doesn't stick. Um... I think this is either the creepiest or most legendary email that has been sent through my university network, which I'll warily claim, since my Patreon account is connected to my university email account. You're welcome, Sydney University. Looking forward to seeing Phil's show in Melbourne and hopefully locating other podbuds in the theatre by hearing hushed whispers of either Koji or Poosanwees. I think Old Wang will particularly enjoy the idea of having his own bat signal. Nay, shat signal, scat signal. Cowie, keep on wiping it, or not, that is the question. Yes, how often do you do a ghost, a perfect ghost, a bogey, a hole-in-one, a sniper's dream, a ghoul's delight? Yes, it has happened to me and to people I know. I think that's why I remember it being discussed at school as a kind of, uh, like you say, the thing you aim for, the perfect platonic ideal. Much harder with IBS, I'd imagine. And beware, you say you're eating all these grains and fibers and so on, but if you eat too much fiber, you get diarrhea as well. There really is no easy answer to the questions asked by one's bum. I'm not sure. I think you just... Maybe it's out of your reach. I don't mean to demoralize you. The last thing I'd want is to demoralize anyone. 
But it's hard enough for a normal person, never mind someone with super bum, which is what I'm going to rebrand it, IBS. A fabulous case of super bum. My guts are growling in agreement. I don't know if you can hear that. You might. They're going, yes, it's hard in here to do this. They're complaining. Yes, I think it might just be beyond... I wouldn't beat yourself up over it, the pooping. I hope you don't. I hope you don't. How often does someone achieve a ghost? Well, if anyone has any tips, I mean... We got that email from the person who said their bum kept shaving off the outer layer of their shit. Which is, um... It really stuck in my head, yeah. The idea that it's like a sort of banana, and that your the peel of the banana, so to speak, has caught on your on your bum. Maybe, I mean, God. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than I dreamt of in your bum. As the bard wrote. Why is there Hamlet in my head? It's because my dear friend George was playing Hamlet. And I got to go see that, as did Phil. And it was marvellous. Go to see an RSC Royal Shakespeare Company show in London and you'll probably see George pooping around, being very, very talented. Um, let's see. One last little doodah from... Ooh, which from... Phil, not our Phil. But you, the listeners, Phil. Excuse me. Just very nearly sneezed all over my own microphone. Not a metaphor. Phil, hello, pomme de pierre and filet mignon. Very nice. Pomme de pierre. Apple of rock. That's what that means. Pomme de pierre. But I guess he's saying pomme de terre, e.g. Potato, apple of the earth. Ridiculous. And filet mignon. Delicious steak. I'm writing as a founding farter and member of the horribly exclusive and exclusively horrible Budpod VIP area. Thank you very much, Phil. I have previously emailed the main pod, and I am now using my email as a time crapsule <laughs> to see exactly how big the correspondence constipation backlog is. I'd say it's like ten months at the moment. Nine? No. Eight or nine. I'm writing with a story of a bum-bum matter. I'm in the midst of getting tested to see whether I am celiac, and one useful means of testing is the provision of a sample of my pool's gold. Lovely. However, my GP surgery is a big South London one, and you never actually see a GP to describe what it is you're actually required to do. Oh, right. It's all remote these days, mate. <laughs> Even the shitting. Sorry, could you shit yourself remotely, please? We're working from home. So, it was the receptionist who provided me with my sample pot and the curt instruction to go away and fill the pot and return it ASAP. Go away and fill this with shit, and you'd better hurry back. <laughs> the pot itself had no means of collection other than a small useless spoon, similar to the wooden ones you find in ice cream tub lids. <laughs> oh, God. What a day out at the theatre. In the interval, we all get a lovely little cardboard tub of shit from a tray around someone's neck. Spooning it out with a little bit of flappy wood. It looks a bit like a sort of, um, halberd blade or like a an infinity symbol made of wood could that be notorious art perhaps with difficulty i filled my receptacle with my shall we say loose offering and i toddled off thinking job well done me 
<laughs> well done, Phil. Hard to feel smug carrying a tub of your own shit. But you've done it. It was on attempting to deposit my smelly check <laughs> that I was told my initial receptionist-issued instructions were incorrect, and I was actually meant to provide two. This presented an issue, as having emptied my bowels, I had no material left for a second helping. Oh. <laughs> so I did what any normal human being would do and decided to split two into one. However, the spoon I had been issued with sadly was insufficient for the jobby at hand and would not reach where my sample had congealed. Oh, I see, the spoon is too short for the tub. So it's like you're trying to get the last Pringle out of a tube, except the Pringle is poo, and you did stop after you popped. Yes, I see. Which seems like something of a design flaw, I agree, Phil. In my desperation, I turned my flat upside down, looking for a long, thin object suitable for reaching and transferring. <laughs> Going through your whole flat, ah, ah, sweeping things off desks, pulling bookcases down onto the floor. There's got to be something here that can transfer my poo! Neighbors banging on the floor beneath you. Quiet up there! The only suitable item I could find was a Sharpie pen, which just about managed to scoop and move. <laughs> scoop and move. Um, the first ever European funk album, Scoop and Move, recorded in uh, the very earliest days of funk, early 70s. Um, mere months after funk started to emerge properly in uh, around Chicago, Detroit, in America. Um Yep, Scoop and Move, uh, <laughs> recorded by uh, Jobby Sharp. Fantastic. Anyway, a Sharpie pen, which just about managed to scoop and move. I had up until this been alone in my fecal adventure, but it was at this moment my flatmate and brother decided to walk into the flat to see me, desperately scraping and shoveling poo in our shared bathroom, using nothing but a marker pen. So do you mean flatmate and brother, as in two people, or my flatmate and brother, in the same way that people say, my brother and friend? So you're in the shared bathroom, scraping and shoveling poo with a marker pen. Caught. Red, brown-handed. I did not have the heart to tell them the two spoons... No, What? I have not had the heart to tell them two spoons now lie at the bottom of our bin which had proven ineffective at achieving the desired result, but had not escaped a hint of foul brain staining. Ugh. I have sent an email of insane relationship that I found in my girlfriend's mum's house, as the app won't let me attach it to this message. Koji Phil. What? I've sent an email. So you got caught shoveling poo, and you didn't have the heart to also say that there's even more... Failed poo spoons, tainted, at the bottom of a of a thing. He says Koji with a C, Phil. So keep keep on celiacing, celiac on jacking. I'm going to see if I can find what Phil's talking about. Searching on the email, here it is. Oh, Tat. I've sent you an email of insane relationship, Tat. That I found in my girlfriend's mom's house. Okay. Yes, I have seen it, discovered it. Um, here it is. Hi, Pierre and Phil. I sent a message on the Patreon but couldn't attach the photo, so here it is. 
Uh, I found it hanging in my girlfriend's mum's house when I went to visit for the first time. Okay, so this is Phil's girlfriend's mum's house. Tat. It's, uh... Oh, it's good stuff. Phil's gonna be gutted he's missed out on this. Wang, I mean. It's called The Rules. The Rules. It is uh, just a long list of text rules numbered down the left-hand side. Number one, the female in capitals. Americans, I've been watching, thanks to my girlfriend, a lot of The Real Housewives and American reality shows. And they all say females and males. I'm a female. Well, That's the thing with females. It's so medical and creepy. I just, ugh, I hate it. Rule number one, the female. The female always makes the rules. Those are when they're in capitals, I'm doing that. Number two, the rules are subject to change at any time without prior notice. Seems unreasonable. Number three, no male can possibly know all the rules. Rude. Number four, if the female suspects the male knows all the rules, she must immediately change some or all of the rules. Now that's rude about the woman. That's misogynist. It's about saying women are very unreasonable and spiteful. Number five, the female is never wrong. Oh, like an oracle. Number six, if the female is wrong, it is due to a misunderstanding, which was a direct result of something the male said or did. Oh, this is toxic stuff. Number seven, the male must apologize for causing said misunderstanding. I would get a thousand divorces. I would get divorced a thousand times rather than tolerate this sort of thing for a day. Not even a day. Rule number eight. The male is always wrong. Whew, Jesus. Number nine. The male may be right if he agrees with the female. See, they've covered a sort of philosophical hole there. Because he could make the female wrong by agreeing up until this point. Very clever. It's airtight, this stuff, intellectually. The male may be right if he agrees with the female, unless she wants him to disagree. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The female may change her mind at any time. Yes, you've said that. Or did you? Yes, you've already said that. The male may never change his mind without the express written consent of the female. Written. The female has every right to be angry or upset at any time. The male must remain calm at all times, unless the female wants him to be angry and or upset. This is the thing. Toxic masculinity as a performance that is requested. Demanded of us, even. It's a cage, all right. A cage as old as time itself. The female must under no circumstances let the male know whether she wants him to be angry or and or upset. Unreasonable. And then rule number 15 just completely um, covers a lot of the ground they've already covered. The male is expected to mind read at all times. I don't know who comes out of that worse. Women, probably. It is very misogynist, isn't it? Women are sort of insane. And not to be trusted is the general feeling there. Grim stuff. Very grim stuff, Phil. Thank you for that. Truly revolting. 
Well, that's all the time we have this week. I hope you enjoyed the Solo Bolo pod. I must stop saying that because it is from something else. From a famous comedy podcast that people keep kept recommending to me and I tried to listen to and I failed. Comedy Bang Bang! It's from Comedy Bang Bang. There we go. I hope you enjoyed the Solo pod. See you guys next week.